everybody. I'm Shatay. I'm Scott, and we're the Hazes. Welcome to the Love Haze Podcast, where we believe that healing and wholeness are not a destination. That's right. It's a journey. And here, we talk about how to navigate through it. That's right. Today, we are so excited to have my friend, Sarah Nicole Ford Miller. She is an educational consultant, a wonderful event producer, HBCU advocate, and author of Why You Belong at a Black College. Uh, We are so excited to talk about HBCUs with her today, their importance, their impact, and what she's doing uh, to support that work. So thank you again for joining our Black Love Journeys. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone. HBCUs, man, I just, I, I so love my HBCU, mm-hmm. Tuskegee University. It's probably the best thing that happened to me um, in my life. I can't think of, um, you know, anything that I would rather have done than go to an HBCU. Uh, I actually ended up going to, to two HBCUs, one for undergrad and one for grad school. Um the other school is Alabama a and uh, really. I mean, they cool or whatever. But um, and we'll get into a little bit later, of course, the conversations about how we, you know, our own little personal beef between HBCUs. <laughs> and we know that can't nobody else yeah, talk about it's us. All, uh, we can do but, it as you um, can. Yeah. The educational experience at HBCU is just something that's unmatched. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate your book. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And we really just want to get about the business of celebrating HBCUs mm-hmm. and how much they mean to, to Black folk, um, where they originated, how it came to be, all of those things. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Yeah. Why are HBCUs so important to you, Nicole? I think it's really interesting um, coming from the West Coast because, you know, all most all the HBCUs are like South um, going over into the East. And so how did you make your way to Bethune-Cookman? And then like, why why are they so important to you? You know, I get that question all the time being from California. Like, how did you even know about HBCUs? Um, and back in the 90s, you know, HBCUs in California, there wasn't necessarily a a conversation that was being had all the time um, in, in high school. But I was very fortunate that my family knew about HBCUs. My mm-hmm. aunt um, attended Spelman College in Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia. And I remember her just talking about her experiences going to Spelman, meeting some of her friends that would come home from both Morehouse and Spelman um, during her spring and summer vacation. And I just saw their interaction and engagement. I said, oh, I want friends like that. I want that experience. And my mom knew from, that was her sister, knew that she wanted her kids to all have that experience. So I think in high school, um, my mother always said, okay, which HBCU are you going to? It was really never a question of um, going to a school out of California or even another uh, predominantly white institution. It Mm -hmm. was what HBCU are you going to attend? And um, the first one I actually went to before Bethune-Cookman was Talladega College. And hey, College. come on. Yes, that was my first school I went to, my first HBCU. And I ended up transferring over to Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach, Florida. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Learn something new. Well, shout out to Miss Laura for uh, being the first advocate in your family right. for HBCUs because you and, and your siblings all went to HBCUs. Like yes, the whole, my, the whole, my whole, all of them. My my middle sister Amber went to Norfolk State University, mm-hmm. and she's also a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Mm-hmm. My youngest sister went to and graduated from um, from Tuskegee University, also mm-hmm. a member 
of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And then my um, youngest, my my brother, he just graduated last year from Morehouse College. Nice. Yeah. So all of us went to HBCUs. I love that so much. Awesome. And like, why is this work so important to you? Why why do you like it? It changed my life. I wouldn't be who I am today. And I, I, I love the journey I've been on. I love my life. Every morning I wake up, I'm doing what I want to be doing with my life. And that wouldn't have been possible had I not gone to a black college, had I not had the experiences I had going to an HBCU. An HBCU changed my life. It really um, groomed me to be the best version of myself. And Mm -hmm. I am forever grateful to both um, Talladega College and Bethune-Cookman for that experience. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I would say often like, being at Spelman was like four of the best years of my life. And for me, and I hear this narrative a lot from folks who went to HBCUs, but for me especially, it was like one of the first experiences in my life where I felt like I just absolutely belonged, like outside of my family. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I always feel a sense of belonging with my family, but outside of that kind of bubble, it was just kind of like, I felt othered sometimes, you know, going to schools where it's um, predominantly white and Hispanic. I did have one experience where it was like a whole, an all black school, which I loved. But outside of that, outside of your church community, it's just kind of like you move about the world, or at least I did kind of always noticing, you know, that I was just a little different. One of the only black girls in dance classes, one of the, you know, and so then I get to Spelman and it's like, oh man, like there are black girls like me, there are black girls not like me. It's just like the place where all these different types types of black Mm -hmm. girls and everybody belonged here. And so I just felt so supported and just at home, you know, in the HBCU setting. I mean, that's kind of how it was for me. I mean, high school, it was um, at that time at my high school in Pasadena, it was predominantly African-American. It's not now, but in the nineties, it definitely Mm -hmm. was. And I, I still didn't feel like I necessarily fit in or belonged Mm -hmm. even around, (laughs) you know, know. those who look like me. Mm-hmm. And so going to an HBCU is just different because everybody's in school for different reasons when they're in school for high school. They're there because they have to be there, right? Yeah. right? But going to an HBCU was a different vibe, a different something. Like people wanted to be there. You know, yeah. the focus was on education, but also loving each other and helping yeah. each other. High school, you know, high school's high school. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew there had to be something better than, than that. And thank yeah. God, you know, I was able to find... Um, two great HBCUs because to go from high school to maybe a predominantly white institution, I don't think I'd be who I am today. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I totally get it. Sometimes even with us, at a, you know, in high school, just different because, you know, we're young in high school, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's a different vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, there were a pocket of black folks in my high school too. And it was just kind of like, you know, we kind of kind of got on, kind of got along, especially if we were in the same activities. But other than that, it was just like my real like connections and lifelong friendships like started in college for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, I came from a um, majority white high school and uh, I started visiting Tuskegee in I think the summer of like my ninth grade year. Mm-hmm. They used to have like pre-engineering programs and stuff. And so I started it. It was called prep. At the time, I had no desire to be an engineer, but there was a summer program that I could go to on a college campus. And I got there and I see all these black people like 
Mother it man. was magical. <laughs> and ninth grade summer, 10th grade summer, 11th grade summer, I'm all at Tuskegee. And I would meet all of these folks from wherever they had come from in the country. And at that time, long distance used to cost me running up my mom's phone bill <laughs> the rest of the year, calling all these black kids that I had met because I didn't have that experience at my high school. Yeah. And um, I think when I and, and my story is that I never applied to any other college Same. other than Tuskegee. Yeah. My mother told me that they did not have the money for me to go to Tuskegee. And I didn't believe her. I was like, she was like, you need to apply to some other schools because we don't, we can't afford it. And I was like, because my, my parents always told me that they didn't have any money, but they always had money. So <laughs> I ain't believe them. So I ended up having to spend my, my first year at a junior college and then transfer into Tuskegee because I just didn't apply anywhere else. But I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. And it helped me grow into like I matured there. And I found out who I really was mm-hmm. on the campus of that school, just being around um, other folks who had the same I- ideas, uh, other folks who were looking to further their education in different fields. But we bonded around education yeah. and found unique ways to study together, to play together, to live together, to eat and cook in the dorm, in the dorms when yeah. we weren't supposed to. All of those things that, you know, just require ingenuity and things that I don't know that I would have gotten anywhere else. It's just nothing like nothing like these experiences. So tell us a little bit about your experiences at either Talladega or Bethune Cookman or both. Like what what was it for you? What stands out to you from your time there? Um, you know, going to Talladega, um, there's a huge surgence of Los Angeles students at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a pretty good alumni association out here in the nineties. And what I liked about what they did was they gathered us all together. Um, after we graduated, all the students were going to Talladega and we had an opportunity to meet before we went there. Nice. Um, so I didn't feel like I went there um, not knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. I went there with, you know, they, we had a couple different gatherings. And so I kind of felt like I knew them a little bit. Um, some of the other students when we got there, um, Talladega is a very small college at the time it was. Um, I think they have close to 2000 students now. But when I was there, it's about 500 students. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very small um, liberal arts college. And I got a full ride there, um, which is um, why one of the reasons why I attended um, Talladega College. And I ended up transferring over to um, Bethune-Cookman because I had friends from high school that went there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always a school out there for you, for every yeah. student. You know, and I don't necessarily think that Talladega was necessarily the place necessarily for me. It was great for me, my freshman and my sophomore year. You know, I was about 17 going into college. My mom wanted me to be in a very small environment because I wasn't going to be down the street from her. Um, Mm -hmm. But once I got a little bit older, um, I made a decision without my mother. (laughs) (laughs) I was moving and she's like, you're moving. What's happening? What's going on? I said, you know, I think I want to live on the beach. You know, I, I, I want to go to Bethune-Cookman. And she's like, well, what? what? What's Bethune-Cookman? They offered me money. I already done talked to them. Uh, I'm driving out there. I called up my uncle who lives in Florida. He was grown, honey. Great recruiters at Bethune-Cookman who, like, just embraced me. They're like, what you need to get here? And I told him I wanted to live in the honors dorm. I had all close to a 4.0 GPA. And anything I asked for from Bethune-Cookman, they offered it to me. 
And so I left and it was, I had a great experience at Talladega, but finishing up at Bethune-Cookman as a transfer student, I didn't feel like a transfer student. They loved on me. The students loved on me. I joined SGA immediately. We know Talladega didn't have a football team then, uh, Bethune-Cookman did. And I just wanted a different experience. Mm -hmm. I wanted the football team. I wanted the band. I wanted so much, you know, that Talladega just at that time, um, didn't necessarily have and some students weren't looking for that and that's fine yeah. you know but I think I was looking for the full experience um so Bethune Cookman was was home when when I and I'm telling you when I stepped foot on Bethune Cookman's campus never visiting it before I stepped foot on that campus and I said oh shit I don't know if I'm supposed to cuss my bad I'm home this is where I belong. I love Florida. My mother hated it. My mother's like, Florida's so flat. There's nothing, you know, I need mountains. I'm like, that's what you need. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I have everything I need here. Making yeah. the best friends. Pledge my sorority there. I mean, I'm still in contact with so many of my friends at Bethune-Cookman. And it's one place that I just feel like I was supposed to be, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think I was my path in life was always supposed to lead me there because if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. I don't think my path would have been the same finishing at Talladega. I, wow. I don't think that. I think it was Bethune-Cookman that led me here. I love that. I, I want to jump into what led you here. I know I'm monopolizing the conversation because I feel yeah, like I'm catching fine. up with my old friend. <laughs> and so speaking of old friend, I want to talk about your work a little bit more and then you can you can bring us into the haze, babe. That's okay. Sure. So I met Nicole and what was this, like 2005, 2000, like yeah. back in the day, newly to LA, hadn't been there that long. I honestly don't even remember how we crossed paths, if I'm being honest. Through but we Joy. did. Through what? Through Joy Harmon. No. Really? Other way around. Yo, oh, you Oh, I forgot. Okay. What <laughs> <laughs> to you? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. We, were, we were together before you and Joy were together, first of all. So let me clear that up, okay? And Joy is my, I love her so much. She is just like the, the most beautiful spirit. Joy and I were dancers together in yeah. LA, right? And so I have no idea how we crossed paths, but it started with us with like Ivy League. You had just started yeah. Ivy League, the mentorship uh, group. You had just started stepping in the right direction, like mm -hmm. we're like brand brand new. Mm -hmm. And it was like some kind of way, I think the grad chapter you were with, or there was a um, group of grad grad sores and y'all were stepping together and I came in and did the choreography. That's how we met. And yeah. then we, you and I just kind of stuck with the rest of the stuff that you were doing. But from HBCU tours, mentorship programs, um, Greek picnics, to um, step shows, I think I already said that. You've got a book, as we mentioned before, and I think I quoted it wrong in the uh, intro, You Belong at a Black College. Uh, I think I saw that you're now a recruiter, right? A regional recruiter for Bethune Cookman. So like all things HBCU is like mm -hmm. your life. Uh, you did a Black College Summit. I mean, wait, college fairs, summits, just like everything. So how did that work come about? Like, what was it that you were like, you know what? I'm going to just do all of this, everything Black. I'm rooting for everything Black. <laughs> you know, I have to just say, you know, um, just it was just divine for me. I think mm -hmm. growing up, my mother is very pro-Black. So I grew mm -hmm. up in a very pro-Black um, household, just in general. Um, so I've always been that way. I've always been out Black be Black, Black, Black. 
Um, yeah. So coming out here, the time that you and I met, um, joining a grad chapter, um, doing being part of a grad step team, mm -hmm. um, then starting the Ivy League, which was a mentorship program. And we started teaching the young girls mm -hmm. how to step as well. Mm -hmm. um, that led into me doing high school step show competitions. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, you remember that? We were selling yeah. those out like 3,000 people will come to it, which was crazy. And we had high school step teams from all over the country that participated. Yeah. Um, that's why I started my love for just putting on um, and producing events. Yeah. Um, from there, I started doing, um, you know, black college tours. I took my mentorship program on a black college tour one time. Mm -hmm. And of course, the girls only knew about Spelman, Morehouse and Howard. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't go to any three of those schools and I exist. OK. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the girls on their first black college tour and it just changed me, not just them, but it just changed me. And I said, oh, my God, I want to help more kids. Um, discover this because sometimes we think that they already know about it because we went to a HBCU. So we thought, oh, okay, everybody knows. They don't know. And seeing that experience, it it led me to want to do more tours. So it started off me just taking a week off of work. So I had a regular corporate America job um, working nine to five. I started doing it during my vacations for one week. Wow. And then one week led to me doing two weeks, you know, do two different tours. And eventually I was able to um, leave my full-time job and start doing tours full-time. And now we're doing tours for students all over the country. Um, before COVID happened, we we're probably doing 10 to 15 tours um, per season. Um, we're all together throughout the year, spring, summer, and fall. Um, and then from there, we started, you know, we broke out, you know, from just doing youth things. It was like, okay. I do these black college fairs too. I started working with the city of Long Beach um, and I'm so grateful to the city of Long Beach um, councilman Al Austin. Um, he really believed in just the HBCU experience and the HBCU fair. And every year for the past eight years, the city of Long Beach has paid for having the um, HBCU wow. fair at the convention center, right? Convention centers cost money. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm so grateful to him and the city of Long Beach for taking that on and paying for everything so we don't have to charge the students to go to the um, Black College Fair for the city of Long Beach. We don't have to charge them anything because it's being paid for already. Um, so it led to that. And then, you know, I just started doing um, events for um, alumni because what's happening is sometimes it's hard to get recruiters to come all the way from their school to your mm -hmm. event. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I got to start connecting with these alumni more. So what I started doing was having the Black College Reunion nice. um, for alumni, which was amazing. We had over a thousand people come out every year to this reunion and then started that led into these day parties. You know, that's a new thing. I never heard. Oh, of yeah. That. That's the thing. <laughs> I never heard. Of, I mean, that's so bad. I mean, you know, I never heard of day parties before. And then my committee was like, we need to raise money for the reunion because we don't charge for the reunion. I'm like, OK, how are we going to raise money? A day party. I'm like, what's a day party? So it was so weird for me. But we started doing that and it just grew. And one of the last day parties we had last year, 2021, we had over 700 people that came um, out to it. So it raises money for our reunion that we have every year um, for the HBCU events. And honestly, and from there, it just kind of just started. Those were my babies, if you will. That's kind of how everything kind of started. And yeah. then when COVID hit, it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We couldn't do in-person tours yeah. um, because everything mm -hmm. shut down, which was crazy. Um, but I have an amazing husband um, who just stayed, like, by my side, like, you do everything, Nicole. 
just pivot, just pivot. And I'm like, I can't just, what do you mean pivot? And he was like, you are more than just these tours. Ooh. He was like, you know, he was like, this is just one thing God, you know, has in, in, in the plan for you. He's like, he wants you to take over for HBCU. You're just, you're, tours are just a piece of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been doing tours for so long that you kind of start to believe you are just that. Yeah. Right. Tour lady. So, yeah. And so he, um, he was like, you started a book, finish your book, Nicole. Finish your, you know, you belong. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, finish school, Nicole. He's like, you have two master's degrees you've been working on. He's like, finish that. And then I was like, but what else? That's not going to make bring enough money. That's not going to, how are we going to do this? And, you know, one day I'm just talking to him about the, the kids not um having their graduations. Because, you know, they were shutting down graduations. Not just for us, you know, but for the kids, K through 12, college students. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it'd be great to do like a black grab box for them or something. And I just moved on. He was like, wait, stop. What, what'd you say? And I was like, I don't know, babe. He's like, what did you say? And I'm like, oh, I said a black grab box something. He was like, I bet you people would love that. I said, nobody's going to want that. He's like, let's just make a mock box and see how it does. Put it out there. And we did that and we sold thousands nice. of these black. Wow. So the black grab boxes. And then next thing you know, we got school districts buying that. And then it was like, everybody was calling me, are you doing a virtual HBCU something tour? I'm like, and I was so against virtual stuff at first, right? I was like, no, because it's not the same thing as a tour being there in person. Yeah. And my husband was like, but you'd be great at it. Do a virtual one. And I was like, I don't know. I just don't feel like who's going to want to do that. He's like, anything you put your stamp on, people are going to come. Mm-hmm. And so we did it. And we had our HBC, a virtual HBCU summit mm-hmm. um, in 2020. And we had so many students that we had to break it up into a series. So we called the HBCU Summit Series. And we had about six, 700 students that actually attended on each HBCU Summit. And school districts paid for it. We're all over the country. We gave them little HBCU Summit boxes. And I loved it, the virtual space so much. I started just creating more um, virtual events, if you will, programming. Um, yeah. So now we have a I Am Black History, which is coming up. Um, I Am Black History Virtual Summit. We have our um, My Black is Beautiful Summit, which Shate was one of mm-hmm. our yeah. that. And then we also have a um, Male Black Youth Summit as well, too. And those are all virtual, you know, and school districts have been picking up our programming. So we definitely pivoted. And so I'm still, and all of our programs still have an HBCU component. I still bring in HBCU representatives and recruiters to talk to students about HBCUs. So I'm still doing the same work, just in a different space. Yeah. That's just beautiful. I think, too, that uh, having to adjust during during the pandemic is um, probably expanding the reach even more, more accessibility. All right. And I think a part of what all of our HBCUs uh, taught us was like the need to make the adjustment and to find a new way to do things. Right. So we've been pivoting for a long time, even though we resisted. But financial aid lines, um, (laughs) you know, all of those things, all of those challenges that we had having to get together and study, having to do all of these things. We I mean, we basically learned how to be better. Uh, from a point of, from a standpoint of, of always being taught that we had to be better anyway. That's right. Um, that we had to be twice as good. Yeah. But yeah, I think I you know being being able to pivot is what it's all about. And I'm I'm so excited to hear about all of these summers. I'm excited about the possibility of being a, a part of the the one for young men as well. Um, 
But I think accessibility is is everything as well. I mean, I, I literally lived 15 minutes from uh, Tuskegee and had never heard anything about it in my school. Wow. You know, never that my schools, they never talked about HBCUs in my school. I only knew about it because my parents worked in Tuskegee and were familiar with the university. Yeah. You know, so that was the only way I heard about it. It wasn't because they introduced those things to us. Wow. Yeah, that's how it is, honestly. I mean, even, you know, even with um, HBCUs definitely becoming very more mainstream, if you will, more popular mm -hmm. um, with, mm -hmm. of course, you know, Vice President, you know, Kamala in office mm -hmm. as an HBCU grad, as well as a member of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I mean, that has definitely brought, um, I think, more highlighting to us than a lot of the celebrities you know, and athletes now attending HBCUs, um, talking about HBCUs more. Um, I think it's definitely brought um, more attention to HBCUs. And so now I think even some of the spaces and schools that aren't necessarily um, as diverse, yeah. um, now they're more interested in HBCUs because they're calling me like, hey, because I was just telling you earlier that we're now doing um, HBCU workshops for counselors and administrators. Because the reality of it is many times, they don't talk about HBCUs. They don't know what to talk about. They don't know anything yeah. about them to talk about them. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, we come in and we talk to them and give them an overview about HBCUs and what HBCUs offer and how diverse they are. We're not just one big blob, if you will. Every mm -hmm. HBCU is different. There's over a hundred of them. We come with community colleges as well, too. Private schools, public schools. I mean, we're so diverse and many times they don't know that. And yeah. so a lot of these schools, they'll talk about only Spelman or only Morehouse because those are the ones they've heard about. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody doesn't want to go to Spelman or Morehouse. So what yeah. other options do they have? And so mm -hmm. that's what we kind of come in and talk about the different programs, even from a monetary standpoint. Everybody can't afford to go to Howard. Everybody yeah. can afford mm -hmm. to a year. But there's a, a hundred plus other HBCUs that cost less than that. So right. it's all about mm -hmm. providing those options. And that's what we're, you know, not just... Um, teaching our students and our parents, but also our school counselors, because they're the ones the students are going to, yeah. to learn about, you know, which school they can go, which schools they should go to. So we want to make sure that counselors are inclusively including our HBCU right. in the, in the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. An educational cultural competence mm -hmm. is like, that's, 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 that's hot. Right. So, you talked about a, a few of the challenges kind of leading up to this. And we always ask this of our, of our guests, what's the haze mm. of doing this type of work with yeah. HBCUs? Um, so you want to know pretty much like what the, what I like about the most or what some of the, what are some of the bigger challenges? You know, I think the thing you hit on Scott earlier was, you know, getting it out more between mm -hmm. all this, this virtual space, this, you know, that was a challenge prior to this virtual space becoming a thing. Yeah. Getting it out to as many students as we could. We were still getting it out there, but in this virtual space, oh my God, um, we are really getting out the word about HBCUs and presenting it in, in different ways. So it's not always an HBCU summit or um, an HBCU fair. You know, sometimes it's having a different type of event, like, you know, I Am Black History event, for instance, and including HBCUs in it, you know, because that means you're getting right. different. Sometimes kids don't know what they don't know. Sometimes parents 
and counselors don't know what they don't know. So sometimes mm-hmm. when you put black college on something, sometimes they'll stray away from it. But if you call it something else and incorporate yeah. into it, now they're getting some more knowledge. And so I think that has been um, the haze, basically, um, with all of this, you know, this my journey in trying to educate and advocate for HBCUs is just, you know, really educating people about um, the mm-hmm. benefits of going to an HBCU, why we should go to an HBCU, and encouraging and educating parents, let their students go off to an HBCU. Because if you're not, like you were 15 minutes away from an HBCU, we're like 20, 30,000 miles for one. Right. Yeah. You know, so our closest one in California would be like in Texas. Yeah. That would be the closest HBCU to us. So it's really educating parents um, to understand that HBCUs are just as competitive as any other school and probably better for their students' mental health. Absolutely. Um, going to an HBCU because mm-hmm. why do you want to go to a school that doesn't want you? I, yeah. I don't understand that. Whether you're whether they're, whether you're paying a full price or getting a scholarship, I don't want to be nowhere where they don't want right. me. You yep. know, especially in this day and age when you got options and mm-hmm. choices. And I think parents are starting to see that now because just black power is coming out, but also we see how others feel about that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot more how some of these predominantly white institutions are treating our our, our black babies. I think that's why we get a lot of uh, pushback around, you know, people the the way like the protesting and all of those things. And uh, Mm-hmm. Why don't they want us to bring that critical race theory in? Mm-hmm. Because when you, I mean, when you're honest about their history, it's problematic, you know, for them. And they, you know, a lot of these schools have quietly told their athletes, like, you ain't participating in that. If you participate in that, then you won't play here. But I, I think it's creating like a, a needed shift in a lot of our, uh, especially our, our student athletes. Going to HBCUs. Coming to HBCUs. Yes. They're coming home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're trying and, to get woke. <laughs> right. And um, I think also just the, you know, HBCUs feeling like home. And when you have, you know, with, with any parent, when you got your babies at home, you, you feel better, mm-hmm. you know. And if that can be an HBCU where you know that your child is going to be taken care of and just not going to be used and have the, the best of them used up and then discarded. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of, you know, what... Uh, the, the D1 institutions and uh, what they've been doing to our kids for a very long time. Um, a lot of that is being exposed now yeah. with athletes now coming in saying basically that they've been under contract. You know, if you get hurt or something like your contract is really your, your scholarship is really your contract. And it's for that academic year, really or for that sports year. If you get hurt or something like that, it's it's not a four year contract. If you get hurt that year, you cannot go to school there. You can't you yeah. you, you you can go to school there. They ain't paying pay for, for it. it. Yeah, you got to pay you for know? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know our, our our babies just need to be taken care of, yeah. you know, in a different way. And they need to know that their value exists outside of, you know, what their specialty is as it relates to what them. they can entertain yeah. for. And yeah, how quickly those folks turn that's why I love HBCUs. They're going to make sure we get across the finish line, kicking and screaming if they have to. They're going to make sure we get it. And they and they understand. I think they really they put student before athlete. They take that a lot more seriously. You know, HBCUs prepare us for life. Whether you become a superstar athlete or you become a superstar scientist, because you can be a superstar to me as well too. Whatever you do, they're going to make sure that you are prepared. And I 
don't necessarily always believe that about um, other institutions. Yeah. I think that sometimes there's just some amazing black students that may go to PWIs that will be successful no matter what. But there's yeah. other there's, there's other sides of just your education, right? It's not just the academic side, right? Mm-hmm. There's the mental health, the the social side. There, you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like the HBC experience. You cannot mm-hmm. duplicate it mm-hmm. at any other school. Mm-hmm. You you at it, only at HBCU. I mean, they try. But you really, if you don't know, you're not really trying. You you just copying something that you you don't even understand. Mm-hmm. You don't have the ingredients, okay, to make mm-hmm. this what it's supposed to be. You know, okay, yeah. you're just making up your own stuff and call it whatever you want to call it, but don't call yeah. it a to experience because that's right. not what it is. And homecomings, we haven't mm-hmm. even talked about homecomings. There is so, nothing uh, like an HBCU homecoming. There's just there is nothing like it. It isn't. Um, and I. I I, I was almost in tears last year when I found out that uh, Tuskegee's homecoming was canceled again, again, like for for non-students. And I just I can't I can't do it another year. <laughs> uh, well, you, you had the virtual Tuskegee did a virtual homecoming, right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> And I appreciate the virtual experience that that you're doing and the, the virtual experience at my job. Not not homecoming, though. I won't. Yeah. I won't. And what I love is that. You can go to any HBCU, like not your HBCU. You can go to somebody else's HBCU homecoming and still feel at home. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just still feel amongst your people, still feel welcomed. There'll probably be some trash talk about your school versus mm-hmm. theirs, but it's just like still such a sense of belonging. Yeah, still love. Yes. And the amount of networking that yeah. happens um, with HBCUs, even at our homecoming. Um, the way that you tap in, uh, with other black professionals, when even at Spellman's homecoming, when I went there, Mm -hmm. I was able to meet folks, you know, connect with folks who are here in Atlanta, who are doing some similar things that we're doing and your network just expands. It's different even when you're applying for a job and, and another HBCU grad sees that you went to an HBCU, you, I mean, you're going to get pulled Mm -hmm. that, that network. Every single time that connection and that network, it, it's something that's invaluable. And I think a lot of people just don't realize it, but yeah. we show up in spaces and, and we are bosses. We're, we're, we're the managers. We're hiring folks. We're pulling folk in and having that HBCU uh, degree attached to your name on a resume, it makes you stand out every time. Yeah. And it's just it's impeccable. It is. We, we are black excellence. And also, I will say that to your point earlier, Nicole. Like, people weren't checking for HBCUs before, mm-hmm. like, just in the public. And now HBCUs have gone mainstream, especially after 2020 with George Floyd and everybody wanting to, you know, support them now, acknowledge mm-hmm. them now. And it's interesting when all of that was happening. And I was like, we've been on, though. You know, right. like, y'all are just catching up. But right, we, we've been here, you know? Like, um, so that's really, really interesting. I want to go back to the challenges that you mentioned just in terms of reach and how actually the pandemic has helped with that. But beyond those challenges in terms of having to pivot and just just other things that you might experience having to educate folks, even our own folks, mm-hmm. what what are some things that keep you going? Like, how do you navigate through those hazes? How do you push forward? When I see after 10 years of doing tours, the students now... Their attorneys that went to HBCUs that mm-hmm. I want to for their, you know, um, their doctors, their entrepreneurs. I mean, so many of the mm-hmm. kids from my tours are entrepreneurs now that, you know, I'm utilizing um, their products all the time now. 
you know, I'm, I'm all about that, you know, and so many of my kids from the tours who are not kids anymore or adults, you know, are doing so much. When I look back and I just see everything they're doing, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I got to keep going. Like to see them is like, it, it's, I don't even know if they even know, but it's so much more to me. And I follow a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. I'm friends with, a lot of them, but some of them have ended up working for me or chaperoning on tours, you know, or becoming interns with me while they're in school. Um, they're what keeps me going, to be honest with you. It's it's them seeing everything they're accomplishing, seeing yeah. them, seeing them from when they're in high school, quiet, thinking they want to go to USC or Stanford, but their parent yeah. is making them come on my tour, you yeah. know. And they're like, oh, I'm going to so-and-so. I'm going to Stanford. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just just like, right. Then they have the right. tour. In one week, their whole life changes in ah. one week, in five days. They're like, Miss Nicole, all, wait, and, and especially in Atlanta, that's usually the hub we come in. They're like, everybody here that even works here is black. In the airport, at the restaurant, mm-hmm. <laughs> they would be on the campuses, and they're like, all these students have backpacks. Why are the guys dressed up in suits, Miss Nicole? Dang, they look good. I'm like, all right, y'all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Their experiences make me want to keep going. You know, I wish I had an experience when I was in high school. You know, mm. I mean, thank God I had um, family that, you know, really taught me about HBCUs. Because if I hadn't, I just don't know who I'd be today. And that's yeah. the scariest part of all. Who and where would I be? Where would we I'm be? Happy. Yeah. yeah. Well. That's the thing, though. It, exposure is everything, right? So you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. until you're exposed to something different. Yeah. And so when we are about the business of, you know, exposing our kids um, to new things, to different t- things, to things they have not seen, you come. And that's what made me proclaim I'm, I'm never leaving Atlanta. When I when I go home to Alabama now, I don't stay usually over 24 hours unless I have to. I was like, these people might take my Georgia driver's license back. I, I don't want to be there. I go in those spaces. I'm almost uncomfortable yeah. when there's not enough of us yeah. in spaces. I'm yeah. like, it's a lot. We live in Wakanda. So it's, <laughs> it's like it just hits different when we go to other places. We be like, right. wait, it's, it's definitely a, a culture shock. And that that is real with the exposure. I went on a black college tour when I was, the, it was a sophomore the summer after my sophomore year and there was in Houston, you know, we have PV out there and Texas Southern and Mm -hmm. just surrounded by um, more of that being in Texas. But I remember going on a black college tour and my family, my mom being in particular, because we were so close, like you need to go away somewhere, like go, go away to college, um, get far away so you can like gain some independence. And I just remember like so many, so many of those places we stopped on that tour, just, lit me up. You know, I really love Tuskegee. I like North Carolina A&T. Um, I really liked Hampton, but it was cold. Um, there was just so many. Tennessee mm-hmm. State was dope to me. It was just like everywhere we went, I was like, I just love everybody here. And, you know, how can I stay? So that exposure mm-hmm. is beautiful. The way you're touching the children's lives is just, is mm-hmm. beautiful. And I honestly, I, I miss being, living in the South. 
Um, you know, you know, my dad just moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, so you coming yeah. here more often now or no? No, I, I definitely, I was always coming on my tours as, you know, yeah. often. I just couldn't really hook up with people because I was always working. But I definitely plan to spend like the summers with my dad at his house because he moved, I think, to McDonough, or whatever it's called. Um, McDonough, uh-huh. There you go, McDonough. Yeah, he moved um, over there. So I, I I kept saying I was going to move. Like me and uh, me and Brandon, my husband, we had talked about moving to Houston at one point, then Dallas. We talked about Atlanta. And every time I'm just like, I want to move these places because I, I miss just like you said, Wakanda. but sometimes I feel like maybe I'm supposed to be here um you know yeah you know I'm just supposed to be here to do you know even though I work with kids all over the country it's hard even when you know the weather like when I was younger I could move anywhere I could move in snow I could do but as you get I'm in my 40s now and I'm like do I want to be cold like I don't do well, you know, my health. I don't do well in the cold right. no more. I'm like, ah, we might be stuck here paying all this money to live in California. Um, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like um, with the reach, you know, of our tours, but even the virtual space, we're hitting kids literally um, all over the country. I mean, I have contracts out of Chicago, out of Houston, um, mm-hmm. Independent School District, out of New York. Um, of course, out of Los Angeles, out of Florida, Georgia. I mean, everywhere. I mean, we're hitting kids, especially in this virtual space now, coming to all of our events, talking about HBCUs. And so I, I just feel like I'm in a good space right now because I'm hitting Wakanda virtually now. Right. <laughs> you can feel free to slide through, too. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm right. saying? Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I'm, I'm in the space. I may live in California, but I, I really am living my Wakanda life. You know, because everything mm-hmm. I do is is black related. Everything yeah. I do yeah. is all about the uplift and excellence of black people. Mm. All right. I love it. Yeah. So tell us this. What's what's the number one message that you have about HBCUs that you'd like people to know? It's a place where you can become the best version of yourself. Mm. That's what I want people to, to understand. It's that mm-hmm. that's the HBCUs will pull you kicking and screaming across the finish line. They care. They want you to succeed. And they're going to make sure that you do. You know, and so I think that's what I want people to leave with, with, with parents, students, educators, understand that you, you're going to be taken care of at HBCU. Your child will come back better than when they left. Amen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's a whole word. Um I love that. And it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's, I just really felt it when he said that because it is absolutely the truth. We've all said we felt at home. We felt supported. Who would we be without our mm-hmm. HBCU? So that's 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 facts right there. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears a little bit. So what is the music? When you think of the work that you do, HBCUs, is there a song? So we love we love music and we have some sort of a tune that goes along with every conversation that we have. What does the HBCU vibe feel like to you? We already know. Swag, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that feels like new school HBCU to us. You know what I'm saying? It's I not know. I love it. Yes. I mean, we have an amazing DJ out here. DJ, out here, mm-hmm. um, DJ Ronald Artistic. Mm-hmm. And he's from Florida A&M University, but he's a native of L.A. And he DJs 
all of my events for me, all HBCU events, everything. Mm -hmm. And when he plays that song, it's like, I don't care where we're at in this club or where we're at outside the Black College reunion. It's like we all come together and we're doing this swag surf. And it's crazy because you feel like this one connectedness when we're doing this. And we all understood the assignment, right? (laughs) We got it. And then when you see it on video, because you guys video, get all these recordings of it. It's like it's one big family reunion and we're all on this one live space and just just going. And I'm like, this song, I mean, and I'm probably doing the butt, of course. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's something about Swags because we're actually connected. We're touching each other and moving, you know, just instinctly together. Like, you know, it's just in sync. And I'm like, that's probably the song that really represents to me like this HBCU um, culture, HBCU vibe. I love that. I love especially the part about being connected and moving together. Yeah. I agree. We we thought about that as a song. We were like, that's a little new. It wasn't it out when we were in college. For me, it's going to always be back that ass up. Like you just hear the beginning of that song. Yes. Oh and that still gets me. You just that stop what you're doing. Yes. That, that, that when it drops. <laughs> Right, and you know, folks going to put stuff down. Right, like whatever right. you're holding in right. your hand, it needs to it needs or to nah. go to a safe space. Or not, nah. and it's getting ready to go down. Yeah. yeah. Right. What's yours? So for me, it's gonna be knuck if you buck. Hey, crime up! <laughs> you already know. You're ready to throw hands. I don't care what's what's going down. You talking about being together? Yes. And I, and I'll say it this way. We can all be talking about each other's schools, but if someone from a PWI has something bad to say about an HBCU, Mm-mm. you might as well throw them up if you want. <laughs> we do not play like no. that. It will go down. We don't play. Don't come back. Don't we family back. talking about family. Right. Don't do us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not if you what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of family... I want to give everybody an opportunity to find you. So we have already talked about your book. I'm going to show it again. You belong at a black college. And I will say for all our babies, this is true. We have on some shirts from Nicole. Like we've talked about stepping in the right direction. We've talked about uh, Greek picnics and reunions. Where can people find you and all that you're doing in the HBCU ecosystem? Yeah, You know, the main place I would say um, is steppinginthereightdirection.com. Okay. Um, that has a lot of our information about our upcoming tours physically, um, anything. We have a t-shirts. We do a little bit of everything, books, mm-hmm. everything is on there. And then some of all of our virtual spaces, um, events that we have, it's um, www.hbcusummitseries.com. Nice. Okay. And so we have a lot of our um, virtual events on that website as well, too. I'm telling you, Nicole gonna snatch up a domain name, huh? Right? You gonna own them all, honey? <laughs> I even bought some that I'm not even using. I said, oh, let me buy this and pay for it just in case somebody else wanted. Right. <laughs> I'm not exactly. mad at it. I am not mad at it. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you, Nicole. Like, um, this conversation has really fed my soul. It's been mm. so good. I have always been a fan of the work that you do in our community and happy to support always. Um, whenever you need something, that's why when I see a inbox from you or a message or a phone call, I'll be like, what's up? I'm going to go ahead and help my sis because 
I yeah, love I, I'm gonna need you next month too. So I'm hitting you up. So I'm trying to do a, right. I want to do a dance, like a dance um history of of um dancers, black history of dance. Okay. And of course, you know, you're the go-to person for anything dance, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm gonna hit you up. I was like, let me at least do this first before I hit it. <laughs> so I'm gonna wait till February 1st. <laughs> my email in two days two days i will yes absolutely i got you sis i got you <laughs> and i'm hitting up your husband too for the um boy the male black youth program we're doing you know you. i'm just so happy for you sis i think he's amazing you know mm-hmm. i've been following you guys' journey you know from the time y'all met and you know and i just i just love it i'm just so happy for you you deserve everything thank you sis thank you. i appreciate that Well, we're going to wrap this thing on up. This has been beautiful. As we always say, life will always present you with a haze, but we all have everything that we need within us to navigate through it. That's right. And you're not alone. Join us next time and we'll continue to take the journey together. All right. Everybody be well. Thank you for joining us, Nicole. Thanks so much, Nicole. Peace, y'all.